Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better, the brand designer podcast. It's just me today. Oh, and my Slack is going off. Just a real life thing. I'm going to turn my Slack off. It was Esther. She's amazing. She's going to be back with us next week. But today I'm going to talk to you guys about simplicity. And if you listen to season seven, episode zero, you know that simplicity is my word for the year. But I really was feeling like I wanted to expand on that and talk about how I invite simplicity into my design style, my business, my life, how that manifests as spaciousness and ease and not always uh, the easiest thing to run a business, be a mom, be a human being on this earth. But I've noticed that when I intentionally think about inviting simplicity into those areas of my business, it actually helps things feel simpler and feel more spacious. So before I dive into the convo, um, I am going to do just a single rose and a single thorn today because that's how we're starting off our episodes now. Okay. So my thorn is really not that big of a deal. It's been a really good week so far. So my thorn right now is just that I'm pretty strapped for time. I wrote down, when am I not? (laughs) And last night I had to work after bedtime last night, which was kind of a bummer just because usually I don't feel super motivated or creative at the end of the day, um, just because it's you know been a full day of work and a two and a half year old and cooking and all that type of stuff. But I actually kind of enjoyed it. And I am really excited to tell Esther about this because I know that she likes to do kind of like nighttime design sprints. It was really nice to have everything feel really quiet. I wasn't getting emails. I wasn't getting slacks. And I really was able to focus and get kind of a lot done, which felt really good uninterrupted hours of just straight design is something that is kind of hard to come by in my schedule now, just with the reduced hours that I work and calls. And of course, you need to have calls. I need to do podcast recordings. I need to do all of these things, but it was really kind of nice. So my thorn is kind of a rose. So no bad vibes today. My rose is that today I had a kickoff call with a new interior design client and I just really loved her energy. She's a mom of a two and a four-year-old, toddlers. She was just so sweet. And in her questionnaire and a lot of our conversations, we kind of centered around this idea of I mean, this is kind of relevant, simplicity and ease. And she's wanting to um, not work on as many smaller projects and instead increase her rates, work with only really dream clients, just a couple clients per year. Um, And she is so, so talented. I'm so excited to design her brand and her website. She loves using color. And we went through some inspiration today and I'm just feeling so inspired. Like I love the start of projects, especially when they are clients that... I relate to on a personal level and that I'm just excited to design for. So let's talk about simplicity. So I feel like there are a lot of words that surround simplicity, but simplicity is very much so a foundational value of mine because from simplicity, I really feel like peace, ease, spaciousness, fulfillment, time, a lot of that stuff kind of flows out of having a really simple foundation for your lifestyle, for your business. And of course, my design style tends to be on the simpler side rather than the more ornate side. 
Although I do like to do illustration when I get the opportunities. So I wanted to read you guys a quote from John Maida. He wrote a book called The Laws of Simplicity, Design, Technology, Business, Life. Um, This is what he says. Simplicity is about subtracting the obvious and adding the meaningful. And I just read that and it just resonated with me so much. I was thinking about my philosophy when it comes to simplicity. A lot of it is you have to take away. You have to take away and take away and take away. Like if you're designing something, see how much you can take away and then make sure that you just add in that little dose, that subtle dose of meaningfulness and intentionality. And I feel like that is so widely applicable, not only to design, but to what business and life and motherhood and friendships and relationships. I really truly believe less is more. And I'm really starting to explore that more this year with my focus on simplicity for 2023. The description of his book also says simplicity equals sanity. And as someone who lives a pretty packed life, like, I mean, anyone who's ever done like getting a kid ready for school in the morning understands the definition of hectic. But I feel like when I shift my mindset away from, oh my gosh, all these things I have to do, blah, 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 to like, okay, simplicity, what can I focus on right now? What, how can I make my morning feel simpler and less complicated? Because I probably have talked about this before, but you guys know that I tend to overcomplicate things. I take a really long time to decide what I want to order at the restaurant because I am afraid that I'm going to pick the wrong thing. And then I make things too complicated. I read into things that people say to me or little emails that I get from clients. I'm like, oh, is she mad at me? I don't know. I feel like there are so many opportunities in my life where I can just allow things to be simple. I was sharing some welcome information with my mini mind students the other day in their little welcome video as part of their month one content. And one of the big philosophy things that I was talking about in that welcome video was this idea of letting things be easy. I always tell myself, let it be easy. If I'm trying to overcomplicate or add too many notes or spend too much time on something, I just remind myself, how can I let things be easy right now? And usually that helps me shift away from like getting in the weeds and getting in the details and getting stuck in the business to, okay, it's actually, I can let it be simple. Like I, I can allow this task to be simple. I can let this design be simple. I can allow this client communication to be simple and move forward. So that's a little bit of an overview of what simplicity means to me and how I define it. That quote is fantastic. Subtracting the obvious and adding the meaningful. So I'm going to break today's episode down into the three parts of it from the title, design style, business, and life. So I'm going to start with design style and then go from there. So I used to be super afraid that my work was too simple. I was constantly worried that clients would be like, oh, well, you just found a font and like typed out my name in it. And to a certain extent, yes, but that's like definitely not (laughs) what is happening with the brand design. If a client could just find a font and type out their name in it, then they wouldn't be working with me. And I remind myself of that often when I second guess like, oh, is this too simple? Recently, I've been, you know, on the other side of the spectrum is like, oh, is this too complex? What can I take away? And that's kind of where I want my mind to be. But over time, I realized that clients were coming to me because my design style was simple. And in fact, 
it's actually sometimes harder to design something simple than something complex. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it kind of takes me back to a story from journalism school where they had us write stories where, you know, like, like actual like news stories. And we were limited to like three or 400 words. And that sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's like a couple paragraphs max. And there was a lot that we had to fit in there. All those little journalism things with the intro and the meat of the topic and the wrap up and all that type of stuff. I struggled like not writing tons and tons and tons of stuff. And you know what? They would they would take away like points on your assignment for each additional word over the word limit just because of how serious it is in that industry to make sure you're hitting your word counts just because newspapers, magazines, you know, now it's different with the web because you can just have infinite scroll. But um, at the time I was in school, you know, print was still, you know, maybe having its last dying breaths. (laughs) I still read print magazines. You guys know I love that. But that was a really big challenge for me to be efficient with my language. And it's something that I have kind of taken into my web design philosophy. And there's a whole podcast episode that I did about um, web design wisdom from a um, magazine design background. And that journalism education, man, like I hardly write anything on websites nowadays. Paragraphs are two sentences, max one sentence, if I can get them to be one sentence. And my clients like that. No one wants to read a walls of copy um, unless you're writing a manifesto or a book or something. But that, you know, it kind of takes me back to feeling like my designs weren't complicated enough, or if I did them quickly, then the client would value them less. In fact, doing a design quickly is more valuable. And I'll share a story with you guys in a second about that. But yeah, I've definitely moved away from being worried that my work is too simple and just celebrating the fact that, wow, I can design such a beautiful brand that's so subtle and has so much meaning. And it's super simple too. So a couple of tips for inviting simplicity into your design style, into your work. First one is take away until you can't anymore and then maybe add one thing back in. That's kind of similar to the quote I read at the beginning. Simplicity is about subtracting the obvious and adding the meaningful. So if you're experimenting with borders and flourishes and adding things and oh maybe it needs an icon and maybe we need to have things interlock in this way and see if you can take away detail and then maybe start adding a couple of things back in that you liked at the beginning. That's um, one of the approaches that I take when I'm designing. Another tip is to spend more time researching your typeface and reviewing that with your client than you do designing the brand. And I said typeface here just because I tend to design more typographic brands that are kind of font-first, if you will, rather than more illustrative brands, although I do like adding illustration into my brand identity design. I used to spend tons of time designing the brand and not enough time planning the design of it. And that usually um, resulted in clients saying that they kind of liked it, but they weren't too crazy about the font. Could we find more changes? And I don't know about you guys, but a font change request is like a death sentence because (laughs) then you have to go back to the drawing board. Usually the letters don't fit together in the same way. You have to kind of fix it up and then it just takes so much more time. I have not had a font change request in probably over a year because of the way that I set up my creative direction and brand strategy process. And there is an entire episode about this. Season 5, episode 14. It's called Iterating on the One Concept Method. And in that episode, I go into depth about 
my font research process, how I present font samples to clients. I totally broke down and just typed the client's name out in the font like preview thing, take screenshots. And that's literally what I present clients in the presentations because they kept on asking, well, I don't know. I want to see it in my name. I want to see my name there. And I was so worried. They'd be like, oh, well, you just type the font out. Not once has a client ever said that to me. And I guess I don't work with the type of clients that like would question that. I did more so in the beginning of my design journey as a business owner, but that has been really helpful and the clients really appreciate that. So go back and listen to that episode if you're curious about what my research process and like kind of front loading all that feedback in the creative direction phase of the process looks like. A third tip on inviting simplicity into your design style is to copy and paste on your artboard after the simplest of changes and compare. And what I mean by this is If you guys aren't aware, you can hold down option on your keyboard if you have a Mac um, while you have an item on your artboard selected. And if you hold down option and drag the item, it will duplicate and leave the original. So that is pretty much the process that I use when I'm designing brands. Like I'll design something and then I'll save that. I'll duplicate it with the option drag and then I'll make a slight change. And then I'll option drag, make a slight change, option drag, make a slight change. And I'll be able to see the iteration and I'll be able to go back and forth on the scale of like, okay, that's too much. Um, Same thing with finding font weights, for example. Type out the, the client's name in every single weight of the font that you are considering and then option, you know, drag and... You'll be able to compare them and decide which one you feel like is best. You can show the client, whatever that looks like for you in your research process. Usually, my husband cannot tell the difference between two designs. So to the naked or untrained eye, it will look very similar. If any of you guys are on my close friends list, and if anyone is listening that is not on my close friends list, shoot me a DM on Instagram asking to get on the list. Um, It's for designers only. We have a lot of fun there. I show a lot of kind of behind the scenes, work in progress stuff that I don't want to share publicly just because brands haven't launched yet. You'll be able to see on there where I'm deciding between two things and they look super similar, but it's like the difference between like half a weight in a stroke or something like that. Um, So don't be afraid to get, get granular when you're deciding between different subtleties. The more granular that you can get, I feel like that is very helpful in designing with simplicity. And then the last tip that I have is just to embrace presenting simple if that's what your client is after. Most clients of mine like simple design because they see my work and they see that it's simple and they want that. But some designers really like to do super ornate, like illustrative, like sketchy styles. And that's totally okay. Ask your client in your questionnaire, do you like a simple, clean look on the scale of one to 10, one being ornate, 10 being simple? Where does your brand land? I love doing those scale exercises in the questionnaire um, to be able to pinpoint exactly where the client thinks that their brand might land or where they want it to land on the scale of simplicity and cleanness. Because a lot of clients love to ask, make it clean, make it clean, but you got to talk to them about what that means. Remind yourself that it took you years of education and clients' experience to be able to design something simple. And if you can do it quickly, that's an asset, not something that's bad or wrong about yourself. I wanted to share a story that Giselle actually told me back in the day when I was slacking with her about, I don't know if it's too simple. It didn't take me very long, blah, blah, blah. She sent me the story about Paula Cher from the brand company Pentagram. They're a big New York agency. 
Citibank in 1998 when two other banks merged and they hired Pentagram to create the new logo for them. Long story short, Paula was in a meeting with them. I think it was their pitch meeting, honestly. And she sketched out what you currently know today as the Citibank logo with the umbrella and all that. She sketched that out on a napkin. And the total cost of that project ended up being around $10 million with the logo design itself being $1.5 million. So if there are any of you guys out there who think that $2,000 is too expensive for a logo or if a client has ever told you that your pricing is too expensive, then hopefully that story makes you feel better because it definitely makes me feel better. (laughs) And at the time that Giselle told me that, I was like, wow, okay, that's incredible. And you know, the client's the Citibank clients, they respected the heck out of her for being able to do that. You guys can read more of the story. I'll include it in the show notes. Um, it's a really great one. And it really helps me remind myself that simplicity is something that's valuable and something that clients are willing to pay for. Moving on to inviting simplicity into your business. One of the biggest things that I see people talk about when they're talking about setting up their business structures, they talk about systems. You need to systematize. You need to automate. You need to have an SOP library, which I don't disagree with. All of those things are amazing. But but what does that mean? And I feel like some people get lost in the weeds of the way that other people set up their businesses. And there's just no way for someone else's business structure to work exactly perfectly for you. Just because someone else loves Dubsado or HoneyBook or 17 Hats or Asana doesn't mean that that platform is going to be right for you. To me, setting up systems means that you're allowing your business to hold the structure that your brain and your clients can't. And I don't know if anyone has ever talked to a Notion disciple, I will call myself. People talk about Notion as, oh, Notion's my second brain. And I totally relate to that because it absolutely is. Without my Notion, I would be lost in the sauce, lost at sea. None of my clients would know what's happening. I wouldn't know what's happening. Lauren wouldn't know what she's responsible for. I wouldn't know how to prioritize my tasks. Your business doesn't need to mirror the way your brain feels. And if my business did, it would be in shambles. (laughs) So... Systems equals simplicity to me. And to set up proper systems in your business, you really just have to think, how can I make things easier for myself and my clients? I'll talk about client experience in a second. But when I look at my Notion, when I look at my HoneyBook, when I look at the way that I have my emails organized, still working on it, I still have lots of unread emails and lots of emails that I need to respond to, but we're getting there. It makes me feel like I have a little bit more control and that things aren't as overwhelming as they seem to be in my brain. Like if you have like a, you're trying to remember a list of a hundred things you need to do and you don't have it written down anywhere. I feel like that is so overwhelming to me. But when I have things written down, I have them marked by priority. I have the exact date that I want to get something done by. um, And I'm able to sort by not only date, but also priority in Notion. Love those inline databases. That feels simple to me. And so when I have you know a block of maybe two hours and I don't know what to focus on, I just open up that list and I look and I see, okay, this is due on this day. And then this is due on this day. Okay, I can get both of those things done. The next thing that I want to talk about when it comes to inviting simplicity to my business is outsourcing. I started hiring, and I talked about this in season seven, episode one, where I talk about um, business lessons. I learned the hard way, so you don't have to. Definitely a good listen. Go back and listen to that. 
I hired junior designers until I realized that I really just needed someone to get the time-consuming tasks off my plate. So that's when I decided to have a production designer position. And that's when Lauren came onto the team. Since then, I've added on some more administration and assistant stuff to her plate. We kind of renegotiated our contract and scope of, of work. But having that complex and like mundane stuff taken off my plate, like brand exports, ugh. I hate that. It's like my least favorite task. I hate when that stuff bogs down my spacious day, when I have like a big, a spacious day where there's no calls. And then like, I have to do a bunch of like little tasks that like just kind of add up. And then the whole day goes by and you're like, what did I do? I love outsourcing that stuff. And I highly, highly recommend it. If you're considering getting a little bit of help, look into a VA. I like production designer because the designer can actually like support you on like little design tasks that a VA might not have the skills to. And we're going to have Lauren on later in the season to talk about her experience as a subcontractor, production designer, admin assistant working with me. And we'll have a lot of fun back and forth for that one. SOPs. I mentioned them earlier. What are they? What is an SOP? An SOP is a standard operating procedure. And I actually first heard this term when Dylan was telling me about stuff from the army. They have these big, thick books that have like little detailed granular steps in them. And they live and die by their SOPs. And, you know, the U.S. Army is one of the like largest quote unquote corporations. It's not an actual corporation, obviously it's part of the U.S. government. Um, it's huge. I mean, if they didn't have SOPs, you know, and, and they also have a lot of turnover. People move very often. There's usually a new guy in the role like every year or so. They've got to like, the army thrives off of training people how to do jobs in very specific ways so that they can move people on up as they climb up the ladder. So I learned about that from the army and then I heard started hearing it thrown around in the business world. I don't write out my SOPs. I have like task templates that I use for Lauren that I can just duplicate that have similar lists of tasks for her, like a brand export or prepping the show back end for me to go and install like a semi-custom theme, creating site documentation for clients. I like using Loom videos for my main SOP library. And I'm actually going to go to my SOP library right now and read you guys some of the things that I have SOP videos for. Oh man, there's so many. And the thing about this is you don't have to sit down and spend like forever on creating the library. Just record things as you go before you hire. And, or if you hire, then you can do it right as you start. But I recommend just recording things before you hire and just make quick little videos and link the videos in a Notion database if you use Notion. But I have how to create and schedule my email newsletter. So all I do is write the newsletter in a Notion doc and then Lauren just puts it all in Flowdesk for me and like schedules it. Overview of the content calendar, how to send a brand identity package to a client, how to export logos, how to prepare and send contract and invoice to Hello June clients, how to set up a client portal in Notion, how to how to write a client welcome email, how to send a one-off invoice. Man, there's so, so many. And of course, there's so many more for the podcast as well. We have a lot of support that happens behind the scenes. Thank you so much, Lauren. But you know, I have the type of SOP it is. I have a link to the video. And then I have like an automated thing in the Notion database that says when it was last updated. So I can see how outdated it is. There's some stuff in here for Dubsado that I need to update, but I'm actually having Lauren update my SOP video library for me, which is so fantastic because she's the one doing a lot of those tasks. These videos allow simplicity to come into my business because then I don't have to 
explain exactly how to do something every single time. And if Lauren needs to leave or I need to hire someone new or whatever that looks like, Lauren, please don't leave me. I love you. Um, I already have a library of exactly how to do things and I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours training someone new and they can actually look at that content on their own time. And the last tip that I have for having a simple business or a business full of simplicity is to allow your client experience to be easy. Let things be easy for your clients. I don't require clients to even use their client portals. They're there for them in Notion if they need them. I tell my clients everything they need to know in live calls to make sure that they know exactly what they need to know. I communicate with them via email and not via a project management system, which is a total hot take. And there are going to be people who come for me for saying that. But I don't know. I just like to allow clients to keep communication where they feel it's easiest. And that's just kind of how I've always done things. And clients really appreciate that. I keep my inbox super organized for the most part. And I also have a lot of like communication organized in the back end of HoneyBook. So it's organized on my end, but the client doesn't need to go in, learn an entire new system. And I found that a lot of the times clients are just going to email you anyways. So I feel like if I was working on much larger projects where I had multiple different decision makers, multiple different team members working on everything, um, usually it's just me and maybe a developer, maybe Lauren's coming in. It's super simple now. I probably would have the client like, come into like Notion or use something like Monday or 17 Hats or something like that or ClickUp. But right now, I just I find it easiest just to communicate with them via email. And then I link to their portal every time I say, hey, something is new for you in your portal. Come and click on it and give your feedback here. They give feedback in Figma, which is awesome. And I've just really always loved that. So don't hate. You can hate if you want, but... <laughs> that's worked for me and it's kept things simple for me as well. It's kept things simple for the clients too. I can always tell that they feel a little bit like, oh, okay, I don't have to learn something new. <laughs> you know, um, if your clientele is much more tech savvy than mine, then maybe that's that's good. But I work with a lot of creative people who have to use technology for their business, but don't love it. <laughs> I also always began calls with an agenda and I end with a next steps overview. That has been something I've been, been implementing more recently. It keeps my calls on topic. You guys know I'm chatty. I have a whole podcast. Literally been talking for 30 minutes by myself. (laughs) Um, But having an agenda at the beginning makes the client feel good that their time is going to be used in a really wise way. And the next steps at the end helps the client understand where they're at in the process. You can even share your screen, show them your client portal, show them where they're at in the timeline. But that's been something that's been helping me keep to task on calls. And I, I realize that my calls are actually shorter. I've been trying to schedule 30-minute review calls with clients rather than hour-long calls. The only hour-long calls I do with clients are like kickoff calls where I do like a creative direction conversation with them. Even the web planning calls can be 30, 45 minutes. Okay, moving on to life. Allowing your life to be simple. Who doesn't want to lead a simple life? I don't know. Maybe you out there want complexity and I guess adventure if you really want to be fun. (laughs) But I just dream of a simple life where I can wake up every day, just savor the food I'm eating, spend time with the people that I love, have a slow pace of life. I mean, you guys know that I'm moving to Georgia once our home is done and we have a bunch of land out there and it's just a slower pace of life. And I'm just really looking forward to that. But here are a couple tips to allow simplicity into your life. Even if you are one of those people who 
loves hustle culture and wants their schedule to be packed every day. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel very fulfilled when I've gotten a lot of stuff done at the end of the day, working on not feeling too much productivity guilt, reading a book about it. But here are a couple of things that I've done to help make my life just a little bit more simple. My life starts and ends with my Google Calendar. <laughs> and if any of you guys out there use written calendars, more power to you. But like, how does it remind you? I have to have my Google Calendar. If it goes on there, it's going to happen. If it doesn't, it won't. And missing calls or forgetting to schedule things is... It's chaos. Um, so I intentionally make my Google Calendar extremely simple. And I actually just shared a, um, a walkthrough of my Google Calendar with my MiniMind students because um, someone requested to take a look and see how I organize tasks and everything. I usually do tasks in Notion, but um, and I try to leave my calendar as simple as possible. I love looking at a calendar day that does not have any calls on it. And I love calls. I love my MiniMind students. I love my clients. But having that spacious time to just decide how I want to use that time. It's just amazing. It's my favorite. So I limit calls on my calendar and I only take calls in a limited time frame. Calls to me can be kind of energetically draining. And I know that I'm an extrovert. I love to talk to people, but it's still, I have to prepare for the call. I have to make sure that I have my agenda ready. I have to make sure that I've reviewed everything for the call. So there's time beforehand, there's time during the call. If the call goes long, there's time after the call. And then I kind of have to get back into whatever I was doing before that. So it does take a big chunk out of, out of my schedule. Um, I actually recently started only allowing calls between 10 a.m. and 12.45 p.m., which is a super limited time frame. But Ryder goes to bed at 1 p.m. for nap time. And I like being able to hold his hand and give him a kiss. And it's just kind of annoying when... I can tell that he's calling for me because his room is kind of like right across the way and I'm on the phone with a client. I'm just kind of sad. So I have been experimenting with limiting those calls. I typically don't have pushback from clients, but I'm, of course, I'm always willing to be flexible and take calls when it's um, most convenient for them. But I stick to my boundaries otherwise. And I usually only try to take like two calls a day, if that. And I try to keep at least one day a week um, super free. And if that means that a client wants to have a call that week, but I'm not available, then I just, I'm not available. And I just schedule it for the week after that. Inquiry calls as well. I used to think like, oh my gosh, if the client can't get on a call with me tomorrow or today, then like they won't book. But I don't know. I'm at the point where I'm just like, okay, if they really want to work with me, then they'll wait a week or two to get on the phone with me. And especially around the holidays or if I'm taking time off, like I took three weeks off at the end of the year. I had a bunch of discovery calls lined up for the week that I got back because I wasn't taking calls during that week, um, during those three weeks. And people were fine with it. I haven't really ever had anyone inquire and be like, oh, well, you can't get on a call with me. So blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm sure it happens, but I don't know. I'm just not interested in that like rush. And if they rushed about getting on a call with me, they're probably gonna be rushed about the project. So the next thing I wrote down here is to reduce the amount of hours that you work by raising your pricing and taking on fewer clients. I know that is a way oversimplification in the simplicity episode. There are a ton of other episodes that go over exactly how to do this especially when it comes to positioning, when it comes to sales, when it comes to marketing. There are tons of episodes, especially in the previous season, season six, that go over all of that type of stuff. But I did have to mention that because project cadence is huge. When I am working on like six, seven, eight projects at a time, I don't think that I can feel simple or spacious or a sense of ease at all. I don't think it's possible. Two to three, I can do that. Another tip is to have a hard stop at the end of the day and get comfy with having your to-dos stay open, meaning 
not completed. I used to be the type of person that had to close everything out before I got off work at the end of the day. This was (laughs) pre-kid. And I can't afford to do that anymore or else I would never stop working because there would always be more to do. It's kind of like when you're creating a painting or something or doing something creative or designing a logo, like you have to be okay with stepping away from your artboard. And then usually when you come back, you'll be able to figure it out faster. So having a hard stop at the end of the day, mine is when Ryder wakes up. So I legitimately cannot keep working because I can't work with a two-year-old around. He just smashes my keyboard. (laughs) Another tip is to be realistic with yourself about what you can get done in a day and what you can't get done in a day. And I am still working on this, guys. I will always think that I can get more done in a day than I can. And that's just my toxic trait. Honestly, I've just I've made my peace with it. But recently, I've been trying to think about um, maybe two main tasks that I want to get done in a specific day, especially if it's a call day. And then anything else after that is bonus. So it's this times when I think like, oh, I'm going to get all this stuff done. I'm going to get eight things done. And then I get two things done. And then I feel guilty for not having gotten those other six things done. And that doesn't feel spacious. That doesn't feel easy. That doesn't feel simple. Um, two tasks, three tasks that's simple. That's something that I can get done in a day. And learning how to prioritize your tasks and decide you know, what is most important based off of the timelines that you have, having specific project timelines, super, super important. The last thing is a simple thing for the simplicity episode is to remove distractions, turn off notifications, delete apps off your phone, plug your phone into the wall, throw it into the ocean, I'm kidding, but you know, put it in a drawer, put it somewhere where you can't see it. I tuck my phone behind my computer while I'm working. So if I can, I can grab it if I need it, but I don't see it. I don't want to check it. I still want to check it all the time. Um, but I've removed Slack from my phone when I'm on vacation or I'm on weekends. I delete Instagram off my phone. I try to keep it plugged into the wall as often as I can. And you know, it's a reality that we just, we need to be around our phones sometimes, especially when we're out at the grocery store or when we're at home and we're expecting a call or something like that. It's okay to use your phone for distraction. If you want to take a intentional break, I've been trying to just have it be more meaningful. It's my time with my phone. It's like, okay, could I be reading my book right now? I probably would rather be reading my book right now and not just sit on my phone next to my book, which is something that I've done many times. It's something that I'm still working on and I make fun of myself for. So that is my spiel, my I guess 36 minutes at this point spiel on simplicity. Hopefully that helps you guys get a better idea of how I live out that value in every single part of my business, in my life, and in the very designs that I'm advertising. And feel free to take a look at my portfolio if you want. Um, I'm sure that for each thing in there, I have tortured myself about, is this too simple? I don't know. But then when I show the clients, they're like, oh, I love it. Um, And that's just the best feeling as a designer. So simplicity is awesome. All right. I'm going to do an inbox question. Ellie Johnson asks, what is the most time-consuming aspect of brand and web design? And I love this question, Ellie, because I like efficiency. I like simplicity, as you guys have heard during this episode. Um, The first thing that comes to mind that I think, and this is probably going to be different for every single person out there, so don't no, no comparison. I think the brand export actually takes the longest, but I haven't done one in a long time because Lauren takes care of that stuff for me. I think the research that goes into making the brand strategy and the creative direction should probably be the most time-consuming part. And it's the most time-consuming part for me. If I do a full service like a brand identity project that has a big brand strategy and that has messaging involved in it as well, typically writing 
positioning statements and taglines, mission statements, vision, USP, all that type of stuff can be pretty time consuming, even though it's really simple. I think writing a four word tagline is probably one of the hardest copy challenges that I've ever had. And I like to keep my taglines super short because I like to use them in my designs as well. So that for me is the most time consuming part. And I'm happy about that. I want the prep phase, the strategy phase to be longer than the brand design. Only on the full service stuff though. If I'm doing a brand in two weeks or if I'm doing like more of like a mini brand or something that's reduced scope, I cut out the a lot of the strategy part and the brand strategy. And I only do the creative direction portion of the presentation. So just like brand values, audience values, and then like visual descriptors, mood board, color palette, all that type of stuff. Oh, fonts, um, illustration, inspiration, that type of stuff. And that is the reason why I'm able to reduce the cost, reduce the scope, because I'm eliminating the most time-consuming part of the project for myself, which is the strategy and the messaging. So it wasn't always like that. I, I used to lightly do the strategy and then spend days and weeks on the brand. And it's just, I don't know, that's just not, it's not my vibe anymore. I like to do things really quickly. In fact, if I've done a really good strategy, it's approved, the client already knows what font they want to use. I can design a brand probably like a day or two, but I'm in year five. And I, if I had asked myself to do that in year one or two, oof, that would have been really difficult and extremely stressful. So for me, that's the most time-consuming part. I'm actually curious if you guys have other things that are super time-consuming for you. I would love for you guys to share in the Facebook group. Just out of my own curiosity, maybe we can start a thread. You guys can go to facebook.com slash groups slash designer to join in on the fun and let us know what you guys think the most time-consuming aspect of brand and web design is. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk today, guys. It's amazing, as always, that there are people out there listening to me talk to myself into my microphone. And it's just so amazing hearing all of your feedback and seeing you share and post. I love especially when people take a picture of what they're doing while they're listening and they like insert like a little picture of the podcast on top of that on a story. Honestly, I don't know how you guys do that. So someone please please educate me. <laughs> but I love seeing that. I love getting tags. We love shares, all that type of stuff. Not just to grow the pod, but for us, for me and Esther to see like, oh, you guys are real people listening, all that type of fun stuff. So really grateful for y'all's ears and listening to this. And I would love if any of you guys could DM me or DM the podcast at Better Podcast on Instagram and let us know what you thought about this episode. You can leave a comment. Just engage with us. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you in next week's episode. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.